You know, there are a few words as sweet-sounding as these. You have been upgraded. You've gone from coach to business. You've gone from a regular room to a suite. And an upgrade is an improvement or an enhancement. And that's actually our message series beginning today for the next uh, four or five weeks or so as we seek to upgrade key areas of our lives under the touch of God. And today, we want to take a look at going from anxiety to security. Now, I'm talking about a particular brand of anxiety. I'm talking about the kind of anxiety that has a spiritual dimension to it. The fear and stress that comes from maybe having misplaced values or a low view of God. I'm not talking about anxiety that has a physiological cause or it's rooted in trauma. My friends, medicine can be God's good gift to you. Therapy and counseling can be God's good gift to you. But sometimes um, we, we battle anxiety um, with a, uh, a low view of God or with some misplaced values. Um, and you, uh, you don't need to feel less than because you battle anxiety. We all do, okay? And so we'll, today we'll take a look at a biblical text about facing anxiety, and uh, we're going to use a boat story from Scripture. And you say, well, now, boats are fun. They're not anxiety-producing vessels. Well, most of the time, boats are, are fun. But sometimes a boat can even be a scary place. For example, you're going on a nice little three-hour cruise, Right? And lo and behold, something happens, and where do you end up? You end up in a sitcom. There you go. And then we all know the story of, you know, taking a trip on the world's most luxurious liner. And you know what happened there. Or you've bought into, uh, you've bought the brochure. You're going on a wonderful uh, week-long cruise with the spouse, and, um, You're expecting great food, terrific entertainment, and smooth seas, and, um, you know, it just doesn't quite turn out that way. Sometimes a boat can be a fun place, and sometimes when the waters are rough and the winds are strong, a boat can be a pretty scary place. Everybody faces anxiety because we all face anxiety-producing events. And anxiety is the natural human reaction to fear. And the presence of anxiety doesn't mean that you have no faith. The presence of anxiety, listen, it's unavoidable. But living in the ongoing prison of anxiety without fighting back by faith, well, that's your choice. That's optional. And I believe that with God's help, we can upgrade. Here's the boat story from Mark chapter 4. It's such a succinct story. It's tremendously compact. There's an incredible economy of style. Here we go. Verse 35. That day when evening came, he said, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. 
you know, a lot of little details here. It's after a long day of teaching. The disciples are going to cross the Sea of Galilee, which is a big lake, eight miles wide, 13 miles long. And it mentions here that they took him along just as he was. In other words, Jesus didn't even change clothes. They get in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. So you see these little details here. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? In other words, Jesus, we thought if we were with you, we would never be in a scary situation. We thought if you were around, we wouldn't need. We would never be in a scary scenario. But here you are. Do you not even care about us? Now, by the way, sometimes we'll face scary situations and we'll say, Lord, don't you, don't you care? But remember now, on this side of the cross and this side of the empty tomb, you really have to ask, is that a fair question? He does care. And so here's what Jesus did. Uh, he got up, verse 39. He does two things. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. In other words, he says, quiet and stay quiet. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. He says two, he, he says two things and two things happen. He rebukes the wind and the waves. The wind stops and it's completely calm. If some cynic were to say, well, you know, it could be just coincidental. He commands the, the, the wind to calm down, and then over the next 45 minutes or so, the wind's diminished. No, that's not what happened. He gives the word, and immediately, not only do the winds become calm, but the waves become completely calm. This is beyond any claimed miracle ever. This is incredible. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And by the way, some of you, you'll sometimes look at another person and say, oh, I wish I could have faith. I wish I had your faith. You can. Faith is not some mystical little cloud floating around and we hope it falls on us. Faith is your response to key information. Your faith is your response to the claims of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus told his disciples, you have enough information here to make a response. You've seen and heard enough from me to have a response. And most of you in this room, you've seen and heard and know enough to have a legitimate response to Jesus Christ. Verse 41, they were terrified. That's interesting to me. They were scared in the storm, and now after the storm, they're terrified. They were scared because of the winds and the waves, and now they are in absolute awe. What one theologian has called the mysterious, the, the mysterium tremendum. In other words, the grand, awesome mystery of we want to be close to Jesus, and yet at the same time, I have to say, woe is me, I am not worthy. 
I'm both fearful and I'm fascinated by who he is. When they were in the midst of their problem, they were scared. When Jesus solved their problem, they were terrified. And they asked this question. And this is the key question here of this narrative. Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And we know the answer to that question. You've read on. (laughs) You know how the story unfolds. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? I'll tell you who this is. This is God in the flesh. That's who this is. This is our teacher, our rabbi, whose words have authority. This is the one who will be the sacrifice for our sins. This is the one who will be the resurrection and the life and will win cosmic victory by his victory over death. This is the one who is a coming king, coming back again to set all things right. This is the one who will become head of the church, who will send the Holy Spirit to empower the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Who is this? That's who Jesus is. Do you have a high view of Jesus? You need to know that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And if you're looking for some peace in your life, uh, peace doesn't come from finding a lake with no storms. They don't exist. Peace comes from having Jesus Christ in the boat with you. Now, we'll come back to that boat in a moment. I want to talk about three spiritual causes of anxiety. And I'm going to give them to you in three phrases. Here's the first phrase. You ready? If only. If only. I believe one way that Satan attacks our peace of mind is through that phrase, if only. Because if only deals with the unchangeable past. And he loves to attack you and for you to focus on the unchangeable past. If only, if only, if only, if only I hadn't walked into that bar. If only I hadn't done this. If only I hadn't. Unaddressed sin can be a source of anxiety. Unaddressed if-onlys. And if you've never received God's forgiveness, there's a barrier between you and God. And that barrier can produce fear in your life about the possibility of facing the living God without your sins covered in his grace. And you will never be at peace with yourself. You'll never be at peace with your circumstances until you, first of all, are at peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Have you come to Christ, trusted in him, been baptized in his name, seeking to be a loyal follower? Are you a Christian and you've been walking in disobedience? Get that right. Start walking with the Lord in freshness. 
And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If only, if only. My friends, your if onlys can be covered in the vast and deep mercy of our great God. And that's good news. If only. How about this phrase? What if? What if deals with the unknown and unpredictable future? The unknown future. Well, what if this? What if that? What if this happens? And it can paralyze us. What if, what if I can't control the situation? You most likely won't be able to. What if I can't control that person? I, I, I love them so much. I mean, what if I can't? Hey, you most likely won't be able to. What if the way God handles this is not my preferred way? What if God answers my prayer differently than I want? And sometimes we carry loads we're not designed to carry. And we must place an unknown and unpredictable future into the hands of a known God and a good God. Now, let me give a couple of quick disclaimers here, okay? First of all, taming anxiety doesn't mean you don't plan. It doesn't mean you just say, well, you know, tomorrow just take care of itself and, 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 and you don't plan. No, as Christians, we plan. We count the costs, plan for retirement, plan for your family, but plan in pencil. Knowing that God himself is the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. You know, the book of James even says it like this, and... Uh, saying like if you were going to tell somebody, hey, I'll, I'll see you on Wednesday. The book of James says, you say, I'll see you on Wednesday, Lord willing, if the Lord wills. Uh, and taming anxiety doesn't mean you don't care. It doesn't mean you're unconcerned. We should be concerned. We have responsibilities. We have concerns about our lives, about our family lives. But the Bible says don't be overly concerned, overly anxious, where you take it all and you put it all on your shoulders. You know, Chapman University recently released their annual survey on American fear. And given the headlines of 20 and 2020 and 2021, no one is surprised to see an uptick in fear across America. And fear crosses partisan lines. The bipartisan power of fear is evident and that here is the foremost fear in the United States, according to Chapman University, for six years running, by the way. And here's the fear. It's the fear of corrupt government officials. It's a fear shared by Republicans and Democrats alike and it's such a dominant fear that the next highest ranking fear is a full 20 percentage points lower. And that's the fear of a loved one close to me dying. So we shouldn't be surprised that fear of corrupt leaders is rising at the same time as secularism. And secularism is simply religious skepticism as faith in an all-powerful God decreases, the fear of powerful people increases. 
where faith decreases, fear and anxiety increase. And I believe for Christians, this kind of fear should be met with a bigger perspective. Thirteen times in the book of Acts, you'll see the early church dealing with government. You know what they did every single time? They prayed, and they prayed boldly because they believed that we serve a living God who, and I quote, made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. And I believe we have an opportunity as believers in this anxious, anxious age where we can be redemptively countercultural by pointing our anxious friends, family, and neighbors to the fear-dispelling God of the universe whose power dwarfs every kingdom, every empire, every king. I'm not saying we're not concerned. I'm not saying we don't plan. But in direct opposition to persistent anxiety and stress is the hope and peace that Christians have because we know the living God. If only, do your if onlys need to be covered? What if we place this in God's hands? But here's another little phrase I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talented enough. I'm not pretty enough. If you really knew me, you would know uh, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm just not enough. In a constant barrage of I'm not can create a lot of anxiety. Listen carefully. You are human, and you must give yourself permission to be just that. I'm not saying we shouldn't push ourselves to grow. I'm not saying that we shouldn't push ourselves and ask for the Holy Spirit's help to be a really consistently good version of ourselves, okay? But we're human. We still live with the infection of sin within our body. None of us is good at everything, and we all need others to compensate for our weaknesses. And the best way for us to deal with our humanness is not by denying it, not by being defensive, but simply by basking and living in the love that God has for us. John Mark Comer has a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he says this, to be made in the image of God means that we're rife with potential. We have the divine's capacity in our DNA. But that's only half the story. We're also made from the dirt, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We're the original biodegradable containers which means we are born with limitations. We are, we are not God. We are mortal, not immortal. We are finite, not infinite. I read a Christian article this week that said, 
Here's a mantra I recommend you say to yourself almost every day. You ready? Here it is. Nothing I do today will likely be perfect or ideal. Virtually everything I do today can be picked apart. And that's okay. When I was a kid growing up in Sunday school, I learned a song with this line. I am weak, but he is strong. All right, let's go back to the boat, and let me just remind you, Jesus is in your boat. He is in our boat. And sometimes the seas will be rough and the winds unpredictable. And he may not take you out of every storm. He may not take you out of every problem. But here's what he does promise. He promises to go with you through it. There are two key promises of God in every storm. And they are, I am with you and I will be acting on your behalf. You know, the basis of much anxiety in life is making a calculation without God and leaving the God factor out of the equation. How many times you read the biblical narrative and you're going to see these two little words, but God, but God. And when God shows up and when we leave him out of the equation, he creates the necessary anxiety. Whatever you're concerned about, don't leave God out. Don't forget you have a heavenly father who made you, who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, and who wants to spend all eternity with you. He promises to be with us. He promises to act on our behalf. What that will look like, I don't know. But it's a promise. And it's our boat. You know, sometimes we'll say, hey, we're in the same boat. We really are. Our boat. And it's important that in this big boat called the church, that we encourage one another, even in our anxieties. One writer says this, never worry alone. When anxiety grabs my mind, it is self-perpetuating. Worrisome thoughts can reproduce faster than rabbits. So one of my most powerful ways to stop the spiral of worry is simply to disclose my worry to a friend. And the simple act of reassurance from another human being becomes a tool of the Spirit to cast out fear. Because peace and fear are both contagious. You know, over the last two years, one of the most one of the most read scriptures has to be from Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And though you may have heard it a lot, it's still true and so very reassuring. Do not be anxious about anything. You have tools and weapons. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, you present your requests to God. Prayer is that refuge. We're in the midst of the storm, 
we run to our great and living God and we place our requests into his hands. And we get specific about it. And the specificity is not for his benefit. <laughs> it's for ours. We place it there. And, and in prayer, that's not a time to try to prove how good we are. It is just a time to be raw and honest and bring who we really are before all that God really is. Prayer is a gift to anxious believers. And here's the promise, verse 7, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That means God's going to be ministering here. He promises to be with us. He promises to act on our behalf, and what he will do may be inexplicable to us. You may, have, you may have to get to heaven before you fully understand how God responded in that specific situation. It's without explanations simply because it's coming from God himself in direct response to your point of anxiety and your request for help. He will see you through Sometimes he'll perform a miracle for you. But if miracles happened every day, they wouldn't be called miracles. They'd be called normals. Sometimes he just delivers you in a supernatural way. But he will see you through. He will be acting on your behalf. And to everyone in this room, there will come a day when you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you will not walk through that valley alone, and you will not fear evil because our great God is with you. He's covering you with his goodness and mercy, and you will live in the house of the Lord forever. Brother Mike, would you be making your way up here, please? I believe God has a good upgrade for us. We know who we are. We're children of the Most High. We know where we're going. And we have a Heavenly Father who cares. Cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. God bless you, everybody.